Hey everyone, it's Sean. Garrett and I just wrapped up an interview with our first baseball player, number eight overall pick in the 2019 draft. So that's really what we focused on a lot. Uh, the comparative culture of today's social media and those draft rankings are coming out all the time. And not only are you looking at it, everyone you play against is looking at it. All the fans coming are looking at it. So not only is there just the pressure of you know, MLB scouts coming to determine your future, but literally everyone that you're playing against is either rooting for or against you. So it was really interesting to get Josh's opinion on that and see how he just got through it. Garrett, what'd you think about Josh? Well, I mean, for a guy that went eighth overall in the first round, um, you would think that he would kind of have a little bit of an ego, but he was very down to earth, very humble guy. Um, and you could tell that just by the way that he talked about certain things. Every time he talked about getting moved to a different position when he was in college um, or trying to adapt at the pro level to learn every different position so when he gets his opportunity, he's ready. Um, just the words and phrases that he used, you could tell that he was a selfless guy. Um, and some of the words that he used, he talked about the team all the time, playing egoless um, and nine individuals playing as a team. What a great interview, as I mentioned before, very humble, down to earth, and gave a lot of great advice on something that we otherwise wouldn't have gotten to see. As Sean said, first round, eighth overall, he talked a lot about the draft, uh, especially in today's day and age with the competitive culture uh, in dealing with that, dealing with the, the outside pressure of people who think that, you know, maybe he's overrated, underrated, or getting scouted when he's in college and trying to be his best every single night. Just seeing that that life through a different lens, it was a really cool perspective to get. Uh, and I was really happy he was able to come on. Well, I thought it was pretty interesting too how, you know, he came out of college as a third baseman, switched to shortstop his last season, but they have him there kind of in that third base slot. But the current third baseman for the Texas Rangers just won the Golden Glove Award. So now he's talking about, you know, maybe I'm a little too slow to play shortstop. He's doing that that self-evaluation that's, so hard but so important because you really have to try and have the most unbiased opinion in my opinion i think you have to be a little biased toward the other people i like to put myself in like a bit of an underdog role and that's what he's doing he said you know he's taking reps trying to catch pop flies so he's ready to play in an outfield position if that's what is going to make the team best because you know when he's having success is when the team's going to have success too so i thought that was all really cool and we talked about short memory and growing from failure, which in baseball is so important because like he said, you know, a hall of fame batting average is three or four out of 10. So you really have to be able to grow from those failures, not let them weigh on you. Keep that fresh mindset because even if you have a terrible game, you might be the guy at the bottom of the ninth inning who has a chance to win it. So you can't let that weigh down on you. Let's kick it on over to Josh Young. Monument Hockey Academy provides the highest level of developmental training available today. 
with intense focus on individual skills including skating, stick handling, shooting, game awareness, and competition, MHA offers players the opportunity to take advantage of up to 15 hours of on and off ice time per week to continue their personal development outside of team-specific training. Our coaches bring Tier 1, college, and pro experience and are trained in the latest and most cutting-edge programming in the world. Our academic support staff provides guidance and coaching with a variety of educational platforms, including online, in-person, and hybrid models, while ensuring students' NCAA eligibility from middle school through graduation. At MHA, our goal is to provide an opportunity for every player to reach his or her maximum potential, both on and off the ice. For more information or to schedule a visit, go to monumenthockey.com. Today's guest is a native of San Antonio, Texas. He has remained in his home state throughout his very young baseball career. MLB.com wrote that he is the most accomplished position player in Texas Tech history. He was the Big 12 Conference Freshman of the Year in 2017, Big 12 Co-Player of the Year in 2019, and a consensus All-American in his final two seasons. He also led the Red Raiders to their best finish ever, third place at the College World Series. He's only the second Texas Tech first-round selection ever being taken uh, and he was taken eighth overall by the Texas Rangers in 2019 MLB draft. Welcome to the podcast, Josh Jung. Thanks for having me. Josh, how are you? And what have you been doing in the week since the MLB postseason ended? Uh, you know, we just finished up Instructs. So I just got home. I just bought a house this past June. I haven't even got to live in it yet. So I got to come home to that, putting it together piece by piece, a little at a time. I'm here with my brother in Lubbock where I went to college so slowly just taking time off letting the body rest and trying to put this thing together the best I can you plan on staying in Lubbock for a while or do you have a house over where the Rangers are too um I have a house here just for now uh mainly for off-season workouts I won't be here a ton but when I do come in the off-season it's cool to have a place to come and train for free and then my brother gets to live here for free while he goes to Texas Tech and then also, my parents come visit and watch my brother play. They have a place to stay, too. So it just made a ton of sense and uh, use it as an investment point, I guess. And uh, I just I think it's pretty cool to be a house owner. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. Uh, pretty young, owning a house. I'm sure that's pretty cool. Does your brother play baseball there at Texas Tech, too? Yeah, he does. He was a freshman last year, so I guess technically now he's a Corona freshman, if that's how, if that's how it works. <laughs> I guess that's a good way of putting it. I was looking at your Instagram. Was that him in the picture with you? It looked like the Rangers actually played against Texas Tech. Was that oh, yeah. So our instructional team last year played against Texas Tech. We played colleges from around the area, and then Tech was our last one. And we played like TCU, DBU, um, a few JUCOs around the area, and then Texas Tech came to town and played. So um, high school, we played together for one year. He was a freshman. I was a senior. And so, you know, his freshman year of college – would have been my senior year of college, but I got drafted. We got to play against each other. Um, it was pretty cool. It was a pretty special moment, and it was fun just to, you know, nag each other across the field. Your parents get to watch that too? Yeah, they were in attendance. They were both there. Um, and I think one of, my, one of my grandparents was there too. So it was a pretty special moment. We exchanged a lineup card before the game too um, for both of our teams. That was, it was just a pretty special moment all the way around. Yeah, that's a super cool experience. Um, so what are some of your hobbies outside of baseball? Shoot. Um, me and my brother run Fortnite all day long for the most part. Um, he kicks my butt in Madden on a regular basis. 
he's put in like 250 games or something and I've played five. Yeah. And, wow. That game just came out. Yeah. And he, he runs it pretty well. Um, other than that, not a whole lot going on. I'm still taking classes to get my degree. Uh, I think I have six hours left after this semester that I'm taking over the winter break. So I'll finish finally in January uh, with my degree in communications. But other than that, honestly, it's just relax, let the body rest for these few weeks and then get back after it. Yeah, the baseball season is definitely really intense. You guys play 162 games in like 180 days, right? Something crazy like that? Yes, it's crazy. It's insane. <laughs> Not only that, but as a prospect, don't you guys go through summer ball? Like, there's a bunch of different leagues. Could you kind of touch on that and uh, give our guests a little bit of a viewpoint of what it's like? Yeah, so minor league baseball, there's so many different levels to go through. Um, I'd say probably the bottom of the, the levels is called the DSL, the Dominican League. That's where most kids that are signed out of the Dominican that are 16, 17 years old, they start off there. And then – the first level that I played at last year was called the AZL. It was the Arizona League, um, which is kind of rookie ball. And then there's a short season team as well. And then it goes low A, high A, double A, triple A, and then finally you make it to the big leagues. So there's just so many different levels to try to go through. There's so much competition, not only like in baseball in general, but like within your own organization to try to beat out, to say, you know what, I deserve to be the next guy to make it to the show. Um, so it's just a ton of competition and it's a grind. The minor league season is 140 games. I don't know how many days, but we didn't have a ton of off days when I was at least in town for the month and a half that I was there. So it's just a grind because you have to be ready to play every single day. And coming from college baseball to where you play maybe five games a week at a maximum to now playing seven games a week, you have to really know how to take care of your body. You have to really know how to – eat right. You also have to know how to take care of your mind. And I think the mind is the biggest component of baseball because yeah, you watch it on TV and we're standing around a lot, but it's also locking in and those, you know, four or five at bats that you get and producing because baseball is a game of failure. You, when you're hitting at least, um, if you succeed three out of 10 times, you're considered one of the best players to ever live. So it's like, how do you deal with that failure? And then let's say you go up there and you go over four that night, how, how can you go to bed, relax, and have a short-term memory and come back the next day and try to compete at the highest level you can and not let all those, you know, bad bats, the bad days build up, build up, and build up, and now you're looking up and you're 0 for 25 or something. Yeah. How do you handle the downtime? So, obviously, when your team's at bat, there's a lot of time in between when you bat. It might be a few innings. Do you stay locked in that whole time, or do you like to stay kind of loose? So that's what I'm learning. So in college, I was one of those guys that was always locked in, always locked in. But when you play every single day, you have to find an escape somewhere within the game. Because when you lock in that much, it can just be mentally exhausting. So now it's like, okay, walk around, joke around with the guys. Um, you're still locked in on the game. But it's like, okay, the pitch is thrown. Like we call it the action between the action. So like we call the action when they're throwing, making a pitch. But it's like, okay, you zoom in for that 15 seconds. Now you zoom out. You got 30 seconds to a minute. What are you doing with that time? Um, so like in the dugout, we'll joke around. We'll just talk, have conversations. And we try, we try to get away from baseball some too and just talk about random things to get our mind off of it and then be able to walk right back in. Um, so it's just the constant game, honestly, within the game. 
just trying to figure out yourself how it works for you um, and everybody's different too everyone's got their own little thing yeah it's pretty unique I don't think a lot of sports have that I mean I guess football probably does like when the offense is on the sideline compared to the defense but as hockey players we we've never had a look into that so that's pretty interesting to hear about what was your childhood like growing up in San Antonio and how did you get started in baseball so my dad was a high school coach for 30 something years so I pretty much grew up, you know, immersed in baseball and the baseball culture. And it was like there was two seasons in my life, baseball and football. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard, football is ginormous in Texas. It's like you don't play football, it's almost a sin. So growing up, it was always baseball, baseball, baseball. When I turned seven, now it was baseball, football, baseball, football. And pretty much stayed that way until my junior year of high school. I committed to play baseball at Texas Tech. And I decided to give up football after that season. So that was a hard decision, but I think it was the right decision for my career path. But, um, but yeah, it was always baseball, football. And then there was two years mixed in with basketball in middle school and everybody pretty much played. But that was basically my childhood in sports. Yeah, I know all about the uh, Texas football life. I played my junior hockey down in Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, we wouldn't get very many fans until football season ended because everyone would be at those football games on Friday nights. Definitely. You briefly mentioned Texas Tech. Can you take us through your college re recruitment process and what that was like and why you decided to stay in Texas? Okay, so yeah, so the most part, um, the coaches would really see you in travel ball when you played in the summertime. So that's when they were really going out recruiting because that was pretty much the only time that they could see you was either in the summer or the fall because when you're playing, you know, during the season in the spring, they're also playing. So it's hard for them to get away. Um, so the recruiting coordinator here, his name is J. Bob Thomas um, at Texas Tech, and he saw me play in Georgia, um, shoot, I think after my sophomore season. Uh, so that would been back in like 2015, 2014. But anyway, um, so I played out there and asked me to come down for a visit. Um, and I was playing football, so it was hard to really find a time to go down for a visit. But on my bye week in football, I went down. Uh, toured the campus and I just fell in love with the campus honestly it was like small town atmosphere with a big old college everything was Texas Tech so I fell in love with it but growing up <clears throat> sorry growing up I was a huge Longhorn fan University of Texas fan both my parents went there so you know I was kind of brainwashed growing up but you know when I got to, on campus at Texas Tech it was almost like my path that's the way I was going to go the baseball program was up and coming they had just gone to the College World Series um, so I was super excited about it. The coaches seemed to really fit the bill when it came to what I wanted. The university fit the bill when it came to what I wanted to study. So it just, it was just a no brainer for me, I think. Uh, and that was my only offer at the time. Um, so I took it and ran with it. You said at the time, does that mean that more schools were interested after you had already committed? Yeah. Later on, um, after my junior season, some schools showed us some interest, but um, I was pretty stuck, uh, stuck to my guns, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to Texas Tech and see, see what we can do. In 2019, during your final season at Texas Tech, you moved from your natural position of third base to shortstop. What was the change like, or, and how did you have to alter your game to be effective at the new position? So growing up, I always played shortstop. So for me, it wasn't super hard going back over to short, even though I've been playing third for the past – two and a half seasons, but it was a move that we needed to make as a team. It wasn't necessarily just like me moving. Um, we, kept, we had some shortstops 
they just weren't panning out. Um, and the middle of the field is huge for the team. And so we looked at it in the fall before the juniors, or my junior season, we looked at it in the fall of me playing over there. And they were like, you know what, we're just going to leave you at third. You've been playing really well over there your first two years, so we're just going to leave you there and see if we can find somebody else. Um, so early on in the season, shortstops weren't really living up to what we wanted, uh, just as a position. So I moved over there, but it honestly should have happened a lot sooner, but I strained my quad, my left quad, so a lower body injury. Um, and so that took me out of playing short for probably a few weeks. I only sat out two games, but I mean, I had to wrap that sucker up pretty good just to play, put a lot of uh, Tiger Bomb on it. But um, when I finally did move over there, I just felt like it helped the team and that's what the team needed. So honestly it was a lot of fun it kind of took some pressure off of my shoulders because going through the whole draft process and feeling the tension and the pressure of all the eyes on you you know they're coming to watch you play you know you know you're predicted to go in the first round so you're gonna have everybody there watching you and moving over to short it was almost like you know what there's no expectation here because they already think I'm slow and can't move so the best I can do is just go out and have fun right so I felt like moving over to short honestly helped my season personally go along because I was able to loosen up and then things just took off for me and the team. Going back, how did you end up at third base as you did grow up playing shortstop? Was there a really good shortstop at Texas Tech? Yeah, so the shortstop was pretty good. His name was Orlando Garcia when I got there my freshman year. Um, and honestly, I'm not the fastest guy in the world either. I'm a little bit bigger. Um, so they just moved me over to third and like, you know what? You have the arm for it. Um, you have good instincts. Let's just put you over there and see how it pans out. So it was just, I don't know. I don't know. It was just one of those things. Like if you want to, if you can hit and you want to play, they're going to find a spot for you pretty much regardless of where you're at. And shortstop's pretty much the position in high school where everybody plays shortstop. Um, so like when you get to college, everybody on your team for the most part plays shortstop in high school. So now when you get to college, it's like, okay, now we got to play winning baseball and we're going to move you all over the place to figure out your best position. Some guys get moved to the outfield. Some guys get moved to third or to second or to first. Um, so just for me, it was my position was to move over to third. I think that's how you take it too, right? You say that, and I love how you say it, it, it was what was best for the team. And I think that when you get moved, if you find a position that you like and you get moved to a position maybe you don't like as much, I think it's really all about your outlook. And obviously, I'm not a baseball player, but if you go to outfield, you don't like playing outfield, but maybe you're going to play big-time minutes uh, You know, at that position. It's really how you look at it and take advantage of the opportunity. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing for me is like now, especially in the minor league system, it's like, okay, you know what? I'm coming up as a third baseman. Our third baseman just won the Gold Glove Award. So if I want to be in the big leagues next year, I got to know how to play a different position because he's probably going to be stuck there. So I call it like a cinder block. There's a block there right now. But we have other positions that are of need. So now in the offseason, it's like, okay, how can I become the best shortstop I can be? It's the best second baseman I can be, best first baseman. Maybe move to the outfield just catching fly balls when other people are hitting BP just so I have a feel for what's going on because I do want to impact the team. It doesn't have to be at the position I'm comfortable at. I want to impact the team the best I can try to help us win. And coming with that will be, you know, your success too. But it's like, how can I help the team? Where's my value at? Now I got to show them that value so they hopefully move me up to the show. I love that you're showing that versatility too. And is that something that you talk about with the coaching staff? Are you like, hey, can you talk to me about how I can improve at another position of need? 
Oh yeah, definitely. So like we don't take ground balls just at our position anymore. Um, the Rangers minor league like infield coordinator calls us baseball players. We're not infielders anymore. We're not just third baseman. We got to know how to play everywhere, especially in baseball with all the shifting that goes on uh, where they play the numbers like, okay, big left-handed hitter here. He probably is going to pull the baseball to the right side, the second, first, or right field. So we're going to move more of our guys over there and vice versa for a righty moving over to the left side. So even in those shifts, you have to know like different spots, different positions to play, different responsibilities of being in those positions. So really it's, I'm just learning everything in one pretty much. And, um, you know, it's, it's fun. It's fun to do because I've never played on the right side of the infield, like second or first. I've never played over there before. So when I got over there, it looked like foreign territory to me, even though it's still on the baseball field, it looks foreign because the way I was looking at the pitcher and the way I was looking at the batter were different. So it's just like, constantly trying to adjust and find out and fine tune what I the, like the skills I do have and finding skills that I can improve on. Yeah, I can definitely understand that too. During my junior season, I always play on the left side, the defenseman and they moved me over to the right side because we had an ex, like an excess number of left-handed defensemen and you wouldn't think it's any different, but just the way that you catch a pass and look up ice one way versus how you do it the other way with your shoulders turned is like completely different. It's little nuances that you have to work on. Definitely. So you mentioned it briefly, but can you talk to us about the pressure of playing a sport, knowing that you'll likely be drafted very high and having to impress those MLB scouts every night? Oh, that's an amount. Like, I didn't realize how much pressure that I was going to have on myself. And, and I always, like, try to pride myself on not believing in pressure because you can't really put, put your finger on it. So, like, what is it? You can't hold it. So what is pressure? It's, like, something your mind, like, makes up. But knowing that you have all these eyes on you, knowing that um, people are there just to watch you and pretty much every at bat, every ground ball you take has some kind of, I say a little pinpoint, they're gonna write something down about it. That does get nerve wracking and that does get, make you pretty anxious. Um, and I think for me, I put, I put too much pressure on myself going into things, trying to be perfect and trying to be perfect in every aspect of the game instead of just playing baseball. Because playing baseball, you're not going to be perfect. It humbles you quick uh, because, like, being successful is three out of three out of ten. And you look at that, like, you just failed 70, 70% of the time. How are you okay with that? It's hard to be okay with that. And so when you're struggling, knowing people are watching you, that makes it even worse. You're like, oh, gosh, now i got to impress them. But I think when I made that move over to shortstop, I took all the expectations off myself. I just took, I went back to loving the game and having fun instead of worrying about, oh, what's he going to say about me tonight? Or, oh, what are they going to see tonight? You know, and just, just play the game. And I think that's what really, you know, helped me get through that whole process. I think that's when you play your best too, right? Taking the scouts out, out of the picture. Um, as Sean knows, I'm a goalie in hockey and you can win or lose hockey games depending on how you play. And if you're really just focusing on the game and that play and what's, you know, developing instead of, oh, I gave up a bad goal or in your position, I gave up a bad player, I should have had that. Instead of, you know, if, if you just free your mind and continue to just play, you play your best. It's, it's almost like in practice when you don't really have a, I wouldn't say a care, but you don't care about what other people are thinking. You play great because you're just free and you're just out there doing your thing and it's just natural. 100%. Totally I, agree with that. Yeah, I think the short memory is a big part of it too because whether you had a bad play or a good play before that, 
you can't get too high or too low because all you can control is that next play and what you're going to do like in that moment. Oh, 100%. And that's where, like we talk about short memory, you can go up there, you can be over three with three strikeouts, one of the worst nights ever, but you come from the ninth inning with a chance to win the game. You know, what guy are you bringing to the plate? Are you bringing the guy up there that's over three with three Ks? Or are you bringing the guy up there that's saying, you know what, those last three at bats don't have any indication on what's about to happen. I'm going to come up here and I'm going to try to go one for one in this at bat, win this at bat, and try to win the game for the team. Yeah, one thing, too, that a lot of people don't take into account is, you know, when you were getting scouted, you're, what, 17, 18 years old? Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty young age. Like, a, a man isn't really fully developed, especially mentally, to be able to handle stuff like that. And I think that you took everything that you just said out of context, and now you said that the position movement really helped you. But to be able to decipher that at 18 years old, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, like – I guess getting getting looked at in high school too, because I went through the whole process in high school, kind of gave me like you know like an an open eye to the whole process. And so that's when I was eighteen, going through it in high school. That was tough because like in high school, you're obviously the best player on your team. If you're going to go Division One, you're probably one of the best players in the city. So everybody knows who you are. Everybody's watching you. And so it's like, dang, you got all these people watching me literally from other teams too. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. They know who you are. And if you fail, not necessarily rooting against you, but they're like, oh, see, he's not that good. And so, like, every every little aspect of the game dwells on that one moment. And it's like, dang, okay. So why would I try to impress all these people that, you know, could have a negative thought about me in half a second from one at bat when really the only thing that matters is, like, the next pitch or the next play? Well, especially with social media these days, we have that comparative culture. And so all these guys are seeing, oh, we're playing against a guy who's going to get drafted to the MLB. How do I stack up to him? So honestly, they're, they're looking for you to fail. Like they want to have you do worse so that it's easier for them to be closer to you. So I can definitely see how that would weigh on you. Definitely. Yeah, social media, that stinks because sometimes you get those tweets at you after a bad game and it's like oh geez it's like you know what you come out here and you step in the box and you try to do it but I mean that's that's the way I guess sports are you're gonna have critics people are gonna come after you they're gonna they're gonna bank on you um they're gonna bet on you um and when you don't come through it looks it's tough for them and so they take it out on you and that sucks but that's where you just gotta try to get off social media as much as you can like, I want to use my social media as a platform to spread the word of God, to spread, you know, my brand, but also how do I get away from it so I don't see all the negativity because that's just going to come along with being who you are. Yeah, it's hard when it's out there, too, and you talk about, you know, the pressure that comes with, uh, you know, when you played in high school and even in college. And as someone that's not a huge uh, baseball guy or at least have a knowledge of baseball, is there a draft combine for baseball with interviews with teams? So that whole process goes basically in the fall of your draft eligible year. The teams will come around and you'll talk to a scout of their team. They'll talk to their scouting director. Sometimes their GM will come to town or their cross checker. There's so many different levels of scouts, but, but yeah, in the fall, they pretty much come up to you and talk to you. And then in the spring, um, my coaches did a really good job of like keeping that away from me, not talking to anybody during the season so they had to do everything before the season that way I could just try to focus on the game and not worry about 
oh, I have to impress this guy, not only on the field, but now how I talk to him too. So they just ask questions. They do some like medical history stuff. They do some eye tests, vision tests, all kind of stuff. Um, so it's a, it's a fun process, but once you start talking to all 30 teams and it gets really repetitive, it can get really tough. But, but yeah, it's like you have all the, all 30 teams that could be sending one or two, maybe three guys. So you end up having, you know, 30, 45 plus meetings that can get, that can weigh on you pretty good, especially when like you have an idea that you can get drafted pretty high. And so now all these people are coming looking, you know, because the, they have, they have draft like money values on slots, like per pick. And, you know, the teams, they want to pay you, they like you, but they're also nitpicking you to try to nickel and dime you too. So they can save money for other places in the draft. So it's, it's not only about performing, but it's about being a good human too. Yeah, there's rumors during the uh, NHL combine that they asked some pretty tough questions. Like I know one of them was they asked a goalie, uh, was it, do you like stopping pucks or preventing goals? And it's just like, what's the right answer here? Because you never know. Uh, was there a tough question that a team asked you? Oh, shoot. Uh, honestly, the toughest question was like, I met this scout for the first time briefly for like maybe half of a second he introduced himself and then we had this big old meeting with him and his bosses and he asked me what his name was <laughs> i was like uh oh <laughs> i mean like i said when you meet 30 45 people you're like it's a scramble but um i ended up figuring out what his name was eventually took me a few seconds but but yeah i mean they just ask you questions like that to see like how personable you are how you remember things um a lot of it's just like how are your routines are you routine oriented or do you just play like is there a reason you play or is there not it's just just little simple questions to get to know you honestly and then they just let the baseball speak for itself I'm terrible with names, so thank goodness I've never been asked that question because I know I would fail it already. Um, but you were born in Texas. You played high school in Texas, college. What was it feeling like when you were selecting the draft, and was it even more special to stay in your home state? Yeah, you know, it was pretty cool. Because growing up, I was an Alex Rodriguez fan. Um, he ended up playing in New York as the final, like, eight or nine years. But he was a Mariner, and then he was a Ranger, and then he was a Yankee. So growing up, I was a Mariners fan and then a Rangers fan and then the Yankees fan. Um, so it was pretty cool to come home and be in my home state. I did root for him at, like briefly back in the early 2000s when I was very little, but, um, you know, but staying in Texas was pretty cool. I mean, I stayed in Texas for college. Now I'm staying in Texas for my professional team. Um, if I make it to the big leagues, I'd be in Texas. So, you know, it's pretty cool and pretty special just because <clears throat> I already have like kind of a fan base here with Texas Tech fans. All my family lives in Texas, so if they wanted to come see me play, it would just be like a three or four hour drive. Um, but mainly, that, that it's just it was just pretty cool to be drafted by the Rangers, and uh, I don't know, it was just it was a special moment just for my whole family because we're all in Texas together, hopefully for a long time to come. You mentioned the difference in schedule and how now you're playing, you know, seven games a week rather than five max. How have you had to elevate your game to not only make the team, but be an impact player in the professional ranks? 
that all <clears throat> that all comes with the consistency that you have um and so for me it's finding a way to be consistent night in and night out whether that means um i have to meditate extra one day or some days i don't hit in the cage very much or some days it's you know what i have to hit extra today or some days i don't need to hit at all so i'm chill, i'm still learning and trying to figure all this stuff out is because some days you're going to feel like you got bricks on your legs and it's like, okay, how do I perform when I feel dead? And there's going to be days where you feel absolutely phenomenal. And those are the easy days to play. So it's like all those other days that are in between there, how can I utilize these days? How can I pull back on my workload? How can I, you know, eat better, sleep better, get some extra just me time to let my mind escape? What do I need to do? What formula works best for me on those days? And I think that's what will drive me to be consistent because in college you could, you could struggle for a weekend and then you knew you were going to have two days off to figure it out. But now in professional baseball, you have three bad games in a row. You got three more the next three days. So how are you going to separate um, all that negativity and the negative energy you bring in? How can you, you know, impact the team and be a positive light? How can you come back? and forget about what's just happened and try to perform. So I think that just comes with consistency and learning, you know, like what works for you in those moments and how can you get back on track the quickest. I think that consistency comes from the experience too and going through those moments like you talk about. I don't think that, you know, any person in their life could go through three games where they play terrible and then have uh, the next three games be great without going through that experience, learning that it's a part of the process and understanding and figuring out, like you said, how themselves as an individual works and can move on from that and say, you know, it's okay. I know I need to be better. This is how I'm going to do it. Oh, yeah. It's so, so easy to hit the panic button after three to hard games. But it's like, how can I keep away from that and just understand that this is going to happen and this isn't going to be the last time my career where I struggle. It's going to happen. So how can I get myself back on track the quickest? What can I do? What, what feels do I need to feel in the box? What, what do I need to do defensively um, to try to get back in that mindset of, you know what, I'm going to go out and dominate today because you're going to fail in your career a lot. It's not just going to be now, but understanding, like you said, it is part of the process. It's part of growing. It's part of just like growth in the game. So how can I learn from it and then move on and hopefully just be better for it? So just recently, you got uh, some playoff experience here with the team when they went through the playoffs. Not only were you a rookie, but COVID-19 completely altered the scene at the game uh, with no fans being allowed. So what was that experience like? So I went through basically the entire season, the corona season, with the club. Um, I was on the 60-man roster, which basically practiced at the stadium. Unfortunately, we were the second worst team in baseball, so we didn't make the playoffs. But just being in the atmosphere with the club, seeing how no fans affected just the energy in the ballpark was crazy. And I think that was a major adjustment, not only for the players, but for the coaches, um, probably just for everyone in general, because you feed off that energy, especially at home, like playing in Texas, having tons of fans at the game. Now we have a closed roof, so it's even louder. And understanding that that noise isn't gonna be there and now it's so much easier to get in your head when there's no noise. Now you're with your own thoughts, and if they're negative thoughts, you're screwed. So it's like 
for those guys, I know it was tough and hard to understand all of that. Go through that season where there's no fans. You hit a home run. Nobody's cheering for you except your dugout. It's like, oh, gosh, now i got to create my own juice. i got to create my own energy. And not only do I have to create it for myself, I have to create it for the entire team. And how do I bring that on a daily basis, even when I'm struggling? And I think once we can figure that out at the big league level, I think our team will take off. But as of right now, it's just hard because everyone is like a shortened season, all these expectations on the guys. Some guys aren't living up to it, and they're, they're pressing hard. So I don't know. But for the most part, I just know it was tough because there were no fans. All we had were cardboard cutouts in the outfield and stuff. Yeah. So they had to create their own energy, and there was no, no energy to feed off of in the ballpark when they were struggling. Even as the away team, you can really feed off that energy. Like you feed off the lack of noise. So you come into a, a really loud, really good building, and it's so much fun to play in that atmosphere. And then you start playing well and you take a lead. You guys feed off the energy of no energy. So exactly. you're shutting up the crowd. Yeah. 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 I mean, I can only imagine what that was like because they played crowd noise over the speakers. It was like the crowd noise from he'll be the show something that pretty much everyone's used to. But I mean, after a while you could just tell it was automated and it was just, just there as noise. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I didn't really get to play any games in that atmosphere, but like being around it, watching the games, you could just tell that it just felt like, like an inner squad or a practice game pretty much the entire season. Yeah. I know a lot of people at home even were getting pretty annoyed with the fake crowd noise uh, still going on and, you know, some of those NFL games. So yeah, we've talked a lot about your success, but was there ever a time in your career where you doubted yourself or maybe even considered quitting? Um, never quitting, but definitely I'd say at the, the, the start of my junior season and even probably the end of my first pro ball season, I struggled tremendously. So like at the beginning of my junior season, I was pressing a little bit. Um, I wouldn't hit the ball the way I wanted to. I wouldn't have the results I wanted. And then I got hurt. And so that, that made, that just put a whole lot more pressure on myself because now they know I'm hurt. Now I, you start thinking about, oh, I could slip in the draft. Oh, blah, 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 this, 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 and this. So I was struggling there. And that's when like that move to shortstop really helped me just free up. And it took off, my season took off. But then at the end of my first pro ball season, you know, it had been a long year. I've been playing longer than almost all those guys that are on the field. And it just felt like I ran into a brick wall and was just completely gassed. And I think I got out to low A Hickory where I ended up playing the rest of the season. And I got out there and I was hitting the ball great to start. But then all of a sudden, it was like every day I looked up and my batting average was down 10 points, 10 points, 10 points, 10 points. And so it was, it was tough <clears throat> trying to get out of that, that like 0 for 25 you know, uh, just route. And it was tough because I'd never really gone through that before. I mean, tech, I was struggling, but I'd still get one or two hits a week. Now it's like, oh, gosh, I look up. I haven't gotten a hit in two weeks. What the heck do I do now? I've never been in this spot. Um, so those two times were like the biggest moments for me, not only because I was struggling, but it was a huge learning and like eye-opening experience for me to be like, you know what? Like you have to take all your mental training into consideration now and you have to use it um, because you can have it in your back pocket all you want, but now you got to use it because you're over 25. You're, you're struggling. You just got hurt. Now you're coming back. How do you impact the team? 
when you can hardly run? How can you impact the team just being a leader in the dugout and just like rooting on your teammates and their, for their successes? Because right now, you know, your successes are far few in between. So how, how, do you, how do you come in and, you know, learn other ways to impact the team, not only just by being successful yourself? Was there an older guy or leader on the team that you kind of leaned on when you were going through that? Or did you kind of just lean on yourself and say, you know, I'm going to figure this out and get through it myself? So my freshman year at, at Tech, I had all the upperclassmen pretty much took me under their wing. My junior year, my mental conditioning coach, Brian Kane, helped me through some of it. And my dad helped me through some of it. Um, but really, my coaches were just like, you know what, dude, like, you're a really good player. Just root your teammates on. Be there for them. Be a leader for them. So my coaches at Tech really helped me out in that instance. And then in pro ball, there there are a few teammates that were just like, you know what, dude, like, you're struggling. This isn't going to be the last time you do it. So when you figure out how to get out of it, you know, just, like, try to lean on us. Try to try to talk to us. Don't try to internalize everything. Try to Try to talk about it. Try to just let your emotions out. Um, because this game can really bite you in a, in a hurry. So, um, but yeah, I had teammates and my coaches help me out through both those times. And in those times, you know, when a guy's hurt or he's not playing well, if he gets down, it weighs on the whole team, especially someone like you. I'm assuming you're probably one of the best players. If one of your best players is down and because they're injured, if they stop interacting with the team and they just bail on that leadership role, things are really going to start to snowball because now guys, they don't have those routines. Like I'm sure they were used to having you around, having you be a leader. So if you back away, just because you're in a tough spot, it really would have hurt everyone. So being yeah. a cheerleader like that was definitely a positive thing. hundred percent. Cause they're going to feed off the energy. And if you bring negative energy and let's say like a tech, I was the leader and I'm bringing that negative energy. Now the whole team's going to be down. But if I find some way to bring the juice, bring that positive energy and just have a positive impact, you know, rooting on my teammates, that's just going to uplift them and bring a whole other dimension to our game. Um, I also just wanted to note that, you know, going off what we were just talking about, I don't know if you guys are big football fans, but Trevor Lawrence, when he got COVID uh, and they were playing Notre Dame, he was on the sidelines doing the similar thing. He's a big leader, obviously one of their captains, star quarterback, and he was on the sidelines pumping the boys up the entire game. Um, and I think that that just goes to show that a guy that is that elite of a player at that position on a team needs to be there all the time. No matter if, I mean, COVID is obviously a little weird, but no matter if you're sick or no matter if you're injured, like you bring a spark to the team. Uh, and I think that that's something that not a lot of people can bring. Definitely. I, I think that it doesn't matter who you are um, and being like one of the better players on the team or like the leader in people's eyes. Like you have to be able to bring that energy every day in and out, regardless of how you feel. You know, your girlfriend could have just broke up with you, but you got to bring the energy to the ballpark and the field because that's what the team rallies around. They're going to they're gonna want to see that energy. They're going to want to feel that energy. And when you do bring it, the whole team's together. When that energy lacks is when everything kind of falls apart slowly uh, or can fall apart in a hurry. And so it's, it's literally finding – Finding not necessarily that edge, but finding that juice, finding that energy within yourself and be able to bring that every single day. It, it's hard. It's hard. Not everybody can do it. But, but the best at the game, the best leaders, they're able to do it regardless of the circumstances. And I think some of it's dropping your ego too because it's really easy to go, oh, oh I don't get to play. Like 
this is the worst, this sucks. Like you have to put yourself in your teammates' shoes and realize they have a job to do and anything you can do to help is what you need to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's got, you got to play egoless because once your ego comes into play and you start thinking, oh, I'm better than them, I'm better than this, I can do this better than them, that's when, that's when you literally put yourself on an island, I think. Um, especially baseball is literally a game of nine individuals playing as a team because everyone's going to get to hit. The pitcher has to do his thing. You have to do your thing on defense. Um, so as soon as the ego comes into play and you make the team individualized, that's when things are going to go south because then people start playing for their own statistics. And that's the worst thing that could happen in a team atmosphere, I think. Um, so it's literally trying to, trying to find that bond, trying to bring everybody together. And if that's you bringing that energy, regardless of what your position is, that, that's your job. Earlier you mentioned using your platform to spread your faith. How has religion played a role in your success? Understanding that um, baseball is what I do. It's not who I am. It's not going to define me. So it's like once the game's over and I step across those white lines, take my uniform off, I become Josh again. Um, I'm not a baseball player 24-7. And I think that's been the biggest message for me, not only as I like using my platform to spread that message, but that's the biggest battle that I find within myself is because I want to go home and think about the game, thinking about what I could have done better because, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, And for me, it's literally, it's a, it's a battle that I still have every single day, but that's the message that I want to convey is like baseball. I don't want it to define me. I don't want it to be who I am. I just want it to be what I do, you know, on the side. And so I think that that's my message. And it, I just want to get like the point across, like I still struggle with it. So there's no like finish line. There's no end goal when it comes to like having your faith, I think, but, but knowing that I still struggle with it is something that I can still work on every single day. Yeah. I think that, you know, faith, me and Sean have gotten into faith a little bit more as we've gotten older. And um, I think that it has helped me with a lot of the adversity that I faced in my life, especially more in the last couple of years, um, and it's cool because we actually have a little Bible study group here on campus. There's about six of my teammates and we come together and it's not necessarily something super church or religious related, but it's applicable to everyday things in our lives that we may be going through. And I think it's a lot easier when you can go about it and talk about your problems and get them off your chest. And I think there's a huge emphasis on, you know, men's mental health. And I think the problem that that is is because males are scared to talk about their feelings or what they're going through. So to have a safe environment where we can tell each other what we're feeling and what we're going through has made me feel a lot better. And it's actually made it a lot easier to go through the tough times that I have been going through. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. I love it because our savior, Jesus Christ went through, went through hell and he died for our sins and he died for, to, to bridge the gap between um, the very sinful world of earth and the perfect heaven. So Oh, we could get into that. We could go on to that for days. But, but for me, in, in a baseball standpoint, it's really humbled me to know that baseball is just something I do and I don't want it to define me. You talk about baseball being something you do and you don't want it to define you. Uh, you know, another thing that you do or you're getting done is your degree. Um, and after, obviously, you're going to play a long pro career. Um, you want to get into sports broadcasting when it's all said and done. So what sparked your interest in this? Just growing up watching MLB Network when it became a thing, I think 
was either 09 or 11. I was, I was younger and watching LB Network, and I was just like, you know what? I would love to do that after I finished playing baseball, just to stay around the game as long as I could. Uh, and just be an analyst and talk about, you know, what players do great and to share player stories and, you know, what their routines look like and, and spreading all of that to the younger generation to be like, hey, you and this guy that's in the big leagues aren't that different. Yeah, he might be up here making money. He might be a lot better than you, but y'all came from the same place. Y'all, y'all do the same things. Y'all look similar in the box. Um, but just, just to spread the knowledge, not only of baseball, in the game but of players and like how they get through adversity because everybody's going to get through it differently everybody's going to have different stories everyone has a different road to the show as they call it um so just spreading that news and letting kids or guys going through the process know that they aren't alone in this uh, not only do they have christ but they also have other guys that have gone through the exact same stuff they went through to get to where you want to be yeah, you just hit the the nail on the head. That's really the message of our podcast. And uh, we can't thank you enough for sharing your story as part of that. Um, would you want to work for a network or for a team? Oh, man, either. Honestly, I want to stay around the game as long as possible. It's always my goal. But at the end of the day, I've always wanted to work on the MLB network. I think it's in New Jersey somewhere, Studio 42. That's always been like one of my dreams, just to work there, talk on TV dress up in a suit, walk around, talk about baseball. I think, I think that's the dream. Mentioning the dream, we just had Newman on actually on our most recent episode, and he talked about how the Rangers have this new arena with your own barber and chefs and a bank. Uh, well, what do you think is the best part of the new Rangers arena? I would honestly say – just the detail that they went into without the state throughout the stadium is honestly unbelievable because you look up in the stadium and like we talk, we talk about like the action between the action, what you're doing between plays and like you get to stand there on the field and you get to like observe and watch the entire atmosphere that's taking place around the stadium and knowing like they came for you. I think that's unbelievable being able to see just the stands, um, all the different just features around the ballpark, uh, I mean, coming to the park in the locker room being like one of the best in the game, one of the biggest in baseball, you have the best of the best amenities when it comes to recovery, when it comes to nutrition, um, when it comes to hygiene. So I think that all of that together just makes it like, just, it's just unreal. It just feels unreal when you walk in there. Oh, Barbara's here today. I just got a haircut last week, but you know what? I'm going to get another one today. Uh, you, you don't really get to do that in real life. So it's all, it's almost like a dream just because everything around you not is pretty much catered to you, I'd say. And it's pretty cool to live that life. Well, you guys have definitely earned it. And um, like I said already, we can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your story. Uh, really enjoyed it. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Adversity University. You can follow more news about Adversity University on our social media pages. Our Instagram handle is adversity underscore university. Our Twitter handle is adversity underscore UNIV. And our Facebook page is Adversity University. 
If you know of any high-level athlete or professional that has an interesting story of overcoming adversity and you think they should share it, you can email us at adversityuniversitytalkshow at gmail.com. You can also use that email if you are interested in becoming a sponsor for Adversity University. We look forward to bringing our listeners more content from interesting guests weekly, so stay tuned on social media to see who could be next and what our past guests are up to now.